0: Hey there. Good morning. Cheryl Klein here, mental toughness and certified high-performance coach, best-selling author, speaker, and CEO and founder of The Zone Lab. Today is kind of a crazy exciting day because I am so excited to have, I would say, um, a friend and mentor and someone who I really look up to. And I'm so grateful to have you here today, Ra. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Cheryl, for having me. It's my joy to be here.
0: Thanks so much. And, you know, we're going to talk about your book. We're going to talk about your story and so many things. And we're going to give people kind of some tips and tools to mm-hmm. make sense, actually, of what's going on at the moment and also how to digest it and emerge from it in a way that we need to, yeah. that we're being called to do. Yeah. And so I'm really excited. But before we jump into that, you know, we were talking about this earlier before we got on, you know, um, especially me too. Sometimes um, I get caught up in looking at people thinking that they were born into this world with a huge level of confidence and born on the top of this mountain. But before we get into all of the amazing things that you've done in your book and all the thought leaders that you've coached and work with and, uh, you know, the the movement, Um, that you are experiencing with Move the Crowd. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and Mm -hmm. a little bit about how you were inspired as a young person or maybe how you were not inspired as a young person but kind of pushed through regardless? So can you share a little bit of the backstory?
1: Absolutely. So,
0: um, you know, I was thinking about this question as we were chatting and...
1: I automatically go to my parents, and for me, really, the example that my parents set growing up—you know—I describe myself as a change of life baby, born into this intersection of civil rights and hip hop in terms mm-hmm. of the movements. And so, movements has been a big sort of part of what has shaped me. And you know, they were um, born in the twenties, nineteen twenties, survived over two decades of Jim Crow segregation in this country. And one of the things that they instilled in my siblings and I growing up was this commitment to family, to community, and to education. And, you know, my mother used to have the saying, there but for the grace of God go I. You know, and and what was instilled in us in that conversation was that if we ever had any opportunity, any advantage, any um, asset, that we had a responsibility to make a way for other people. We had a responsibility to open a door. We had a responsibility to bring people with us. And that has, I mean, it is so baked into my DNA, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? And it wasn't just because they said it, Cheryl, they lived it, Mm
0: -hmm. you know? So there were
1: days where, you know, you never knew who was gonna show up at the dinner table, Mm -hmm. you know, and moreover, who may be showing up at the dinner table wearing one of your spare dresses, or one of your spare, you know what I mean? Pair of pants or a spare pair of shoes or, Um, And and I think for me, having that example in, you know, in real time, and and specifically that experience of who's at the table, and this willingness to keep the table open, Mm -hmm. has been a metaphor that has absolutely shaped me and stayed with me through all of the different careers and ventures and adventures. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) I like the way right. you like that. Yeah. You know
1: what I mean? That yeah. life that life has brought. And so um shout out to my parents. They are both, you know, in 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 heaven and transcended and but still their lessons and their um their living examples for me, you know, live on.
0: Mm-hmm. So thanks so much for sharing that. And, you know, the flip side of that, and I kind of uh, res- that resonates with me because that's um how I was raised in a similar way as well. But then it makes it real difficult on the flip side, you know, when, when you're raised to have access, like you have access to your home, and people have access to your clothes, if they need it, they got access to everything. But then it makes it especially difficult when, you know, we get denied access. So I'm not Sure. Is there, you know, is there an experience that you've had with that? And how do you move through that when you're so inspired, you know, to be one way, but then, you know, you run into people that are so close off to it?
1: I mean, I think the orientation, in other words, why my parents raised us that way, why we were brought up in that context was actually because they were living in a society that did deny access. In other words, their whole, you know, if you understand the history of Jim Crow segregation in this country, right? And I'm speaking U.S. for those of you who may be watching internationally, but we have a long legacy of denial of access and opportunity and that that denial and access has been systemic. So not just, interpersonal interactions, but it has been baked into the DNA of how our society has been structured. And we as a society are healing that and we're transforming that and we're transcending that. Um, But this was very much what they were born into. And so, um, you know, it's kind of like we can be in a culture and in an environment and we can either adopt the norms of that culture and environment or we can choose to offer and create something different. Mm -hmm. And I would say that that has been a common theme as well Mm -hmm. (laughs) throughout my life, right? And so, you know, in terms of my own history and my own experience of denial of access, it has everything to do with all of the things that I embody as a woman, as a woman of color, as in some cases, as a young woman, you know, coming into my early corporate years. Mm -hmm. And, um, And access was always one of those things that, um, you are having to navigate when you carry identities that are often rooted in this system, systemic and structural um, practices, cultural practices of denial. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, again, I think it's the it's the soil that I come from, mm-hmm. <laughs> and has definitely been part of what has shaped me. And um, you know, and where I where I stand around it now is that I am very clear that I create my own reality. And I'm very clear that um, my practice of continuing to come back to my own sense of agency and my own sense of um, worthiness and my own sense of autonomy, mental, spiritual, emotional autonomy, becomes crucial Mm
0: -hmm. when I'm in
1: environments where maybe it doesn't feel as welcoming or as open as my parents dinner table hmm
0: yeah and I love that you bring that up because what we create in our mind is our reality so we've said before when we were chatting is that um, the way you have prepared your mind is the same way that Olympians and world-class athletes prepare their mind mm-hmm. and it's amazing um, the work that you're doing and So we're going to get to your book. We're going to get to a lot of the amazing successes that, you know, you've had and how many thousands of people that you're helping. But can you share, you know, along the way to this amazing success that you've had or that you continue to have, has there been any big mistakes or struggles along the way? I mean, for most people, you know, um, sometimes people think that it's just a clear shot. Some people, they're just lucky. They just get there somehow. But the reality is, is that whether you're a world-class athlete or a business person, there's inevitable brick walls that we run into. So have there been any for you and can you share?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I have a fundamental belief about, about life and challenge and that life is designed to grow you. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, you know, my struggles have been many Um, And I think, you know, obviously, again, I can look at it now in hindsight and say, oh, I've gone through all these things so that I have a lot to draw from in terms of what I teach. Mm -hmm. And I would say that to any leader, right, or anyone who is committed to making a contribution to our society, to their immediate environment, is that everything that you've ever struggled through or grappled with is what your, you know, is part of what um, deepens and strengthens your wisdom, And what Mm -hmm. it is that you have to draw from. And so, for me, um, many, many years learning how to love myself, many, many years Mm -hmm. doing the work, learning how to appreciate this embodiment, you know, and it's everything from this skin to this hair to this, you know, shape Mm -hmm. to the things that make me uniquely myself, the way I think, the way I process, the things that inspire me. And I think it's been um, a lifelong journey. Of learning how to give myself permission to show up fully in all of who I am, regardless of what the uh, mandates of the environments may be, you know. And it's so interesting. We started in the conversation of access because, you know, I will say that for anyone who's ever felt that, and you know, whether that's rooted in race or that's rooted in gender or that's rooted in tribe or orientation or location or geography, you know, there's all of the ways in which we can play the game of insider, outsider, in whatever way that those um, constructs have existed, it has been a consistent practice to have to come back to the truth of myself and to see and honor and have reverence for, humble reverence for who I am and what it is I have to offer and what it is I have to bring. And that's everything about what I teach and the work that we do at Move the Crowd and certainly in terms of what's in the book.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love that talk about Um, permission. Because a lot of times we look for permission from others. We think it's something external. Um, And that's really deep rooted from when we were young people. Did we get it? Did we not get it? Or have you? But to learn how to give ourselves permission is really uh, powerful. And it's a barrier that once removed kind of makes us limitless, truly.
1: Yeah. Agreed.
0: Yeah. So thanks for bringing that up. Now we both um, come from different perspectives, but like we were saying before in our chat that we're very synergistic. So of course we have to have the mindset talk mm. and before um, we're going to get into talking about your book soon. Um, but one thing that you do talk about the book is really celebrating in chapter six and really visualizing your new reality. So when it comes to mindset, in your opinion, what is the most important? And I want you to answer that from a perspective of if you look at people who take in your teachings and your content and then they Mm. run with it versus people that take it in and it just goes nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, What is the mindset from your perspective that separates really the best from the rest. And by the best, I mean people that are fully able to lean into their calling and hear it yeah, and consistently go after it.
1: Yeah, great, great, great question. The first uh, thing I will say right at the top is willingness. Mm -hmm. A willingness to see Mm -hmm. and own and take Mm -hmm. responsibility for our creative nature. And the power that we actually have to be conscious, active shapers in our reality versus being at the mercy Mm -hmm. of our circumstances and our reality. You know, we hear a lot of conversation about, you know, it isn't about what happens to you. It's about how you react to it. And I I take it one step further and I would say that what's most important, excuse me, what's most important is that we're paying attention to what it is that we believe Mm -hmm. and our willingness to challenge ourselves around the degree to which what we believe either empowers us or limits us. And our willingness to confront and go eye to eye and heart to heart with the things that we have inherited or the things that we have acquired or the things that we have orchestrated or created that limit us. And to work through those in a way that gives us more freedom, that gives us more power, that gives us more clarity, it gives us more room to really be expressed Mm -hmm. in the truth of who we are.
0: Yeah, and I would just like to back you up on that, especially at a time now when there is fear and there's worry, you know, from certainly from a financial standpoint, but if we don't understand how to do this, how to look fear in the face, And not just deal with it, but actually learn how to use it to our advantage, then there's going to be some emotional fallouts that could really exacerbate everything that's going on. So um, I really honor that you are talking about that and teaching that. And it's something that we are very clear also about giving the tools to do that as well. Now, if you were to give the listeners a message, and what would that be? So, if you were standing or <clears throat> sitting across from them and looking into their <clears throat> eyes, um, you know, from the bottom of your heart, what would be your message?
1: The greatest investment that you can ever make is in you. Mm-hmm. And that is really about giving yourself the time and the space to cultivate a loving, honoring, An appreciative relationship with you, with the heart of who you are, your values, your principles, and your convictions, to understand what are that unique combination of talents, gifts, and abilities. In other words, what it is that you've been given to bring or what it is that you've cultivated or honed or acquired to bring to the world and to pay close attention and be connected to the difference, the contribution that you want to make, the things that you want to move the needle on. You know, I describe this as as this sort of recipe for success, which is about really being aligned with your vision, your mission, and your purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, in in the book and in our working with the crowd, we describe it as an L3, which is how you live, how you love, and how you lead. And we have a saying in our work, which is more powerful than what you say is what you do. And more powerful than what you do is who you be. Mm -hmm. B is the foundation for any kind of success that you're wanting to have. And, you know, this definition of success as a function of alignment is bigger than what you have or what you may be good at. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of us define ourselves, Cheryl, you know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know because this is your work, right? (laughs) We define ourselves by what we have or we define ourselves by what we're good at right, what people have told us makes us worthy and valuable. And I know you see this a lot when you work with the athletes and you work with the celebrities, similar to to the work that we do with folks at that level, we're playing at that level. And this opportunity to discover that actually at the core and the center of you, there is another you that has nothing to do with all the roles and the accomplishments and the accolades, but really has more to do with the nature of your soul. Mm -hmm. And the qualities and the attributes and the essences that you bring just by virtue of being in a room, like you don't even need to say anything. And if we think about the people that we most respect and admire in the context of success, we know that they carry with them a certain kind of presence. There's a certain kind of energy that enters the room when they enter enter the room. And that comes from having a context that is in alignment comes from having a way of living and being and operating in the world that is an integrity with what they believe is important, that it is an integrity with the gifts that they've been given, that they know are theirs to share with the world. And that is an integrity with the things that they want to impact, affect, change, and transform. And so our investment in being clear about what those things are and our investment in committing to and honoring what those things are, are, is you know my greatest wish for you because that is the pathway to your higher purpose and to your greatest calling. Mm-hmm.
0: And I really appreciate you sharing that. And I I have to share something a conversation that you and I had uh, about a year and two months ago uh, when we were in Miami. Mm-hmm. It was in January of last year, yeah,
1: twenty nineteen.
0: And you on a, said on a, rooftop. <laughs> on a rooftop at a really fun party. Yes. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. But times are a little different, but we'll get there again. Um, and I think you said, well, like, what is your, like, what's your story? And you asked me and I said, oh, cause I'm, if the listeners know my story, I was really told as a young person that I wasn't good enough to be a, a good enough student to be at this small private school. I was told not that there's any hard feelings, but my principal, Mrs. Harris, right. And you gave me a totally different perspective. And that was, well, aren't you grateful for her? And, or or something that just made me look at it from a different light. And because I was allowing, I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but I was allowing someone else to define if I was good enough. So in other words, it always had a small private practice. but I define whether I was good enough or not to scale and help 10,000 women a year to be mentally tough and to unlock their purpose and give them the mindset to do that. And it was just that perspective of it's not external. Yeah. The whole good enough thing is not. And sometimes we have things that happen external to us that we just, like you said, need to look at and confront and decide Yeah. and give ourselves permission. And so that conversation um, really sped up my process to reaching those goals and helping 10,000 women. So I want to thank you for that conversation and that, that belief. And I think it's more important now more than ever. Um, now, there's a couple other, there's something else that you talk about in your book and in chapter, um, which, by the way, if you don't have this book, Before
1: we go there, and I know I'm interrupting you, but I, okay. I, I want to honor you and acknowledge you for receiving that conversation and for everything that you've built like we're here in this conversation today because you've built what you've built Cheryl so i also and yes we'll get there but i i, I want to take this moment and just and just honor you and thank you for hearing it because 10,000 20,000 millions of women are going to be transformed by what you're doing so Oh,
0: thank (laughs) you so much to say that. (laughs) I know, and sometimes I hear it. I'm like, wait, really? You know, it's just, but that's so. Thank you. It's I received and incredibly appreciated. So thank you. Um, But let let's switch this back to you. Um, I once again bring up your book, The Mm -hmm. Calling. Um, I think this topic has been on people's minds for a long time. Um. But now it's even more so because people might be, well, how do I want to be remembered? And what is my calling? And we're reassessing Yep. more now than ever. And so the chapter, one, I mean, all the chapters resonated with me, but one that really stuck out because it was kind of speaking my language um, was chapter six about really celebrating and visualizing reality. And also prior to that, you talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't something that at least I, and I read a lot of books, a lot of personal development books. um, I haven't seen it a lot. And so can you just speak a little bit to why you think forgiveness is so important and also chapter six about why you wrote about celebrating and visualizing Mm -hmm. our new reality, perhaps before it's even started to transpire yet.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what you're referring to is really part of this six step protocol mm-hmm. that each section of the book, you know, so each fundamental shift, the stay true, the get paid, the do good. Mm-hmm. I walk you through a six step transformative protocol. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I want to sort of give the, the six steps, but I'll go deeper on awareness and celebrate. I mean, forgiveness and celebration. Cause mm-hmm. I know that that's the question. Yeah. Um, but the first step is you got to recognize because until you can see, And until you're willing to see, nothing can shift, nothing moves. The second step is acceptance. So once we see, we then get to face, which we've talked about, Mm -hmm. right? Acknowledge, tell the truth about it, um, and make a choice about whether or not we're willing to lean in and take responsibility for what we're seeing and what works and what's not working, what we like, what we don't like. Um, And then the third step is forgiveness. And this is really where we make the choices about what it is we're willing to continue to hold on to and what it is we're willing to release and let go. I don't know where we learn how to forgive, Cheryl. This is what I said mm-hmm. to you, I, like, I don't know if there's a course, you know what I mean? That like, you know, we can go to. There was a very, very popular book, Radical Forgiveness, for many years that kind of started to move through the personal growth world. And shout out to that work because I think it began to give people a, a protocol and a way to do it. Um, but I find it's hard for us it's really, really hard because we've not been taught how to. We know on some level there's virtue in forgiveness. We know on some level, um, our load has the potential to be lightened if we forgive, but when we're hurt or when we're disappointed or when we feel that we have in some way, shape or form been wronged, it can be very hard to let go of those feelings, of those emotions. And so I do walk people through a four-step ritual in the book and protocol in the book because I want us to be able to strengthen our capacity to, uh, to forgive because then we have much more room to create and visualize a new reality. It's very hard to do that when we're still stuck in a lot of the old patterns in the context of our mindset and in our belief system that weigh us down and so we got to kind of clear away you know it's kind of like trying to make the bed with like your sweatpants and <laughs> and all other kinds of things still in the bed you know you're not going to get the spread to lay flat yeah. if you still yeah. have all these other things underneath yeah. but once you forgive you then do open the way for visualizing reimagining redefining recreating this new opportunity the celebration piece is important because our ability to see our progress and our ability to acknowledge all of the steps that we are taking towards the new desired reality is what motivates and inspires us to keep going. Mm -hmm. And so when it gets tough, when you don't feel like it, when you don't want to, you know, we all have those moments. (laughs) We all have those moments. Not me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Right. We all have those moments. our ability to acknowledge and, and and see where we are moving, where we are making change, whether it's as fast as we would like it or slow as we would like it, um, almost irrelevant, you guys. The, the most important thing is that we are seeing our progress. And that's important because we've been conditioned to see our failures much, much more. In other words, we're so quick to criticize. We're so quick to offer critique to Uh, pay attention to what we didn't get right or what we didn't get done. And so this is about, the celebration is about building a new muscle and and creating a new habit that strengthens our capacity to keep going. Mm
0: -hmm. And I wanna piggyback on that, not to throw all women under the bus at the same time, but we are way worse at that. Mm -hmm. If I can make that gross generalization Mm -hmm. right now, so having the tool to undo it for sure. And also to further back you up on that, even from a science background, uh, it's really been proven that what we think about over and over again becomes our reality. No question. And so um, we need to choose and choose wisely what we tend, what we put on that loop that we're playing over and over again.
1: Yeah, so I that we, yeah. we have a responsibility to protect our enthusiasm. That is the way that I see it, right? (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, I like the way that you frame that, That's, that's good. So, I want to also ask you, besides uh, the book, The Calling, and how can people get this book or where can they find it?
1: So, the book is available everywhere, you know, Mm -hmm. Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Hudson Sellers. It's in your airports. It's in your local bookstores. Obviously, we're in our virtual reality now. So, I'm going to say to you, you can go online. All of those booksellers also have online outlets. It's available on Audible if you prefer the audio version. Um, I know I do a lot of books via Audible these days. I'll try yeah. to get as much learning in as I yeah. can. <laughs> and so um, so you are more than welcome to, to access the book through any one of those channels. And, you know, just shout out to St. Martin's Press, my publisher, um, mm-hmm. and just the hard work that they've done to ensure that you can get the book yeah. anywhere.
0: So that's awesome. And I think books are a great place to start. But a lot of times we need a little more support as, you know, and we all have programs to do that. And you also have a program that's starting on April 2nd. It's your virtual mastermind. So can you explain a little bit how that works?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, often the number one question I get when people get the book is like, i got the book. I read it. It's amazing. I'm doing the exercises, but I need more help. (laughs) Right. Um, Or I know what I'm here to do. I know it's big, but I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. Or I have these gifts or these talents, but I'm trying to figure out how to put them all together and offer them to the people that I want to engage in a way that feels tangible and real Um, for our entrepreneurs out there that feels monetizable for our executives and leaders there. I want to make this particular contribution to my organization, but I need to kind of create a structure and a strategy and a plan and a way to move it forward after I get clear about what it is. Um, And so this particular offering, which is called the True Paid Good Virtual Mastermind, is an online group coaching program that supports you in being able to put your feet on your Mm -hmm. path to cross that threshold from I know I'm meant to do more to this is what I know I'm meant to be doing and offering in the world and this is how I want to be offering it and bringing it into the world and we look at your true we look at your paid and we look at your good Mm -hmm. and so whether you are an organizational leader uh, in the not-for-profit world whether you are in the corporate executive world and you're a corporate change agent and you're wanting to move culture and you're wanting to move initiatives that you believe are purposeful and mission driven for the organization and will take the organization to the next level, or whether you are an entrepreneur who is purpose driven and you're just putting your feet on the ground and trying to really figure out how to bring all of your talents and skills together in the context of your calling, or whether you're trying to take that to the next level in terms of profitability and in terms of impact, this would be the opportunity for you.
0: Yeah. And we all know that, you know, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. But at least what we've, you know, what I found over the last couple decades is that we might stick our toe in, but we're not going to push ourselves there alone. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to have that support now, more than ever. And so whether it's with me or with raw or some other way, I would encourage everyone to get shored up and some support, especially if you are at a point where you're a little uncomfortable knowing that something's not quite right. And now this pandemic's happening and your vision is coming even more clear and it's time to go. So if you are interested in Ra's program, scrolling down below, there's the bit.ly for that, where you can get involved with that. Also, I encourage you to check out her book, The Calling, Ra Goddess. It has been my absolute honor and pleasure. Thank you for helping to change the world for the better, especially at a time when the world has never needed it more. So thanks so much for being a guest. And I look forward to having future conversations.
1: Thank you so much, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for your work. So appreciate you.
0: Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening.